Welcome to Catch Outdoors, presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network at waypointtv.com. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis. Mark your calendar, Saturday, October 29th. I'll be at the Books Inside and Out Mini Book Fair in Oakland Park, Florida. Authors, editors, and others involved in publishing will share their stories and publish books at the Ethel M. Gordon Oakland Park Library at 1298 Northeast 37th Street in Oakland Park, Florida. Book lovers and readers alike will want to come and join us in this first-of-a-kind community event. No fee for admission and books of all genres will be for sale just in time for the holiday gift-giving. Hope to see you there. I'll have a, I'll have signed copies. Yeah, Bridge to Paradise and what I know about fish in Southwest Florida along with information about my soon-to-be-release Take a Kid Fishing, an adult's guide for introducing youngsters to the world of angling. Episode 57, Checking In From The Outside is the title, because I couldn't think of anything else. I'm running out of title suggestions. I'm running out of like, <laughs> first I was just going to start doing episodes. You know, this is episode 57. And that way it could be whatever I want it to be. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to go backwards after all this time. Um, things are getting better in my old stomping grounds of Southwest Florida after Hurricane Ian powers back on for most the ones that have a house or a business that hasn't been totally flattened. I don't want to sound negative about it, but that's thems are the facts. So um, that there is that situation. Bridges are back up for Sanibel, Matt Lachey, and both accesses to Fort Myers Beach are now open. That would be front and back, as I like to call it. But anyway, that's the North Beach and Matanzas Pass and the Southern uh, Bridges that come in from Bonita Beach. There's several of them that go through the park down there. They're all all open now. Um, be aware that even though Fort Myers Beach and Sanibel are accessible by, uh, uh, for residents, uh, there are limitations to certain times and dates. There's also curfews. All that's still in effect. So if you're local or if you're planning on traveling over there, maybe you want to help check in, whatever, uh, be sure you check ahead to make sure you know what the um, curfew situation is. Um, businesses, um, it's, it's going to be a problem for those that, that charter um, I think that's personally, that's the one that hits me the most just because I know so many charter captains. Um, of course, that's going to also affect tackle dealers and bait shops. And then take it a step further, the business that these guys generally and gals for that matter generally um, uh, have um, stays at local resorts, hotels, motels, things like that, and dine out at local restaurants, which a lot are just not available right now, at least not on the beaches. Um, on any of the beaches, it's it's a real problem. So please be aware of that. Um, there are a lot of ways to help the guides. Um, Governor Ron DeSantis has built a, a put together an enormous amount of money, a billion dollars worth, um, to help out the um, charter business, fishing business, and stuff like that, which I think is great. Um, there's also, of course, the Red Cross, which is taking care. And there's a lot of, of groups on Sanibel working. Uh, so if you hear of something or, you know, a like captain for clean water or something like that, it's something where you can help out, by all means, jump in there and do so. Um, this is not going to be one of those deals like what I dealt with where we were out of business for a month or two. This could be six months, maybe longer. And unfortunately, we're coming up right on season for these folks. Uh, for those that aren't aware, Southwest Florida season pretty much starts right after Thanksgiving. Um, slows down a tiny bit around Christmas, but then it really roars January, February, and March. 
And I think that's going to be a problem. Personally, I think that's going to be a problem based on what I know about the area. But try to be positive. Try to stay positive. And, and whatever you can do to help out, by all means, uh, do so. Um, there are a few notices that I saw. I saw one today, as a matter of fact, um, of a few resorts and hotel motels along all of those beaches, whether it's Captiva, Sanibel, or Fort Myers Beach, down into Benita, as a matter of fact, who are not going to be uh, reopening. They, they threw in the towel. It's a real, one of them is 30 years old, been there for a long time. I'm not going to mention names just in case they decide to change their mind, but it doesn't look that way. Um, I think financially it's a mess. I think between insurance and rebuilding costs, it's just, it's just not feasible for some people that have been on the beach for years and years. Um, so that's a real shame, but that's the way it is. Um, and also on that note, if you're planning on visiting Southwest Florida, especially this winter for vacations along the beaches, you, it'd be a really good idea for you to check in with your favorite resort hotel motel and see if they're going to be open or not. Um, the cooler weather finally arrived. I think last week I mentioned the weatherman had been lying, and so I was, I was fairly put out by the whole thing. But finally it worked. I mean, finally they got it right. The cooler weather finally arrived here in the Florida Keys. Uh, nights in the 60s, days in the 70s. Uh, later next week, we'll be closer to normal again uh, with lows in the 70s and highs in the 80s. Today was very pleasant. I went fishing today. Today's Monday. I went fishing and it was really great. It was just the perfect weather. It's, it's why we live here. We don't live here for August weather. We live here for winter weather when it's just beautiful. And it was gorgeous today. Um, fishing. Let's talk fishing. My fans love me to talk fishing, so I will talk fishing. <laughs> I fished last Tuesday. Um, that was the release day of the podcast last week. Uh, Pre-front, uh, that was when it was still hot, still yucky, uh, continuous little showers bouncing in and out, wind changing constantly. Um, it was it was really weird. It was just a really weird... Uh, the front came down and got stationary. And when fronts go stationary in southern Florida, basically what happens is it, it they just stop. So this this little drift of wind you've had the whole time, it might be easterly or westerly. It just depends on exactly where the front is sitting. Uh, it just comes to a standstill, and then all of a sudden the wind starts coming out of the south again, which is damp. Typically our southern winds are damp and our northern winds are dry, especially well this time of year. And uh, so that's what happened. It came in, and then it mixed with the low off. Uh, it was like right in the Atlantic off of Miami. It wasn't very far away. And that fed showers off and on. So it was really messy. So I did get a day in. I was hoping to get two in last week. Uh, it just didn't pan out. Uh, after the front went through and it cooled off and got beautiful, the wind blew. And once the wind blows, uh, it blows. Even boaters hate it, much less being in a kayak. So and because I'm fishing an open bay now, I'm not fishing some you know, little secure kind of backwater thing. I'm actually doing a if you look up Largo Sound on a map, you'll get an idea. It's an enormous body of water. However, it's got lots and lots of great uh, creeks that feed into it and mangrove islands and just, oh, man, today was spectacular. But I want to talk about Tuesday first because it's important to talk about pre-front fishing. Um, that was, I, I mentioned last week I had decided I was going to try and do a little mix-up on the uh, uh lures that I've been using, the artificial soft plastics. And I had grabbed some DOAs, um, you know, uh, um, Z-Mans, uh, Zoom Flukes, Gulp, stuff like that. And I decided that not only was I going to use the the glow colors, the, the white, the pearl white and stuff like that, I was going to go into the darker colors, specifically reds, uh, rust colors. 
which always worked for me up in Pine Island Sound when I fished there a lot, especially for redfish and stuff like that in tannin water when the water was a little darker. And we had a lot of clouds going on. So I, okay, I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. It's overcast. Give it a shot. It kind of worked. I mean, it, it kind of worked. I, I had a, a really good response to the gulp shrimp in New Penny uh, on a red jig head. Uh, yeah, red jig head, a little eighth ounce red jig head. Nothing fancy, nothing special. Um, casting up around the mangroves, just trying to get a reaction. Mostly mangrove snapper, a few barracuda, um, but that's it. Uh, not, nothing else to really speak of. Um, I can't say that it was honestly any better than the whites I'd used the week before. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I'm always willing to try, but I don't see, at this point, I just don't see much point in it. I think it's got an awful lot to do with visibility in the water. I, this is really neat for me, by the way. This is a learning curve. Um, I know Pine Island Sound and Estero Bay, the west coast of Florida, all the way to the 10,000 islands, inside and out. I pretty much know exactly what to tie on and what to use and when to use it. Uh, I'm at a loss here, which I love. Um, I called into the radio show that I used to do this past Saturday, uh, the ESPN show over in Fort Myers, Real Talk. And I mentioned that. I, I, this is really interesting to me because I kind of equate it to this whole hurricane thing that's going on. Um, that hurricane shifted and blew stuff around like crazy on the West Coast. So all the way from Punta Gorda South toward the 10,000 Islands, there are new sandbars. There are new cuts. Heck, there's new cuts through islands. They opened them up. Um, it denuded areas, so it took all of the uh, overhanging mangroves from the edge of the water out. And if it didn't take them out, it blew all the leaves off. So all of a sudden, everything you knew, everything that you knew that was automatic, not talking about putting it in your logbook, and I'm talking about the, the, the entrenched things in your, in your DNA when you fish day in and day out. You kind of know where to be at what time for what tide, what wind. What, you just know. You know it's going to work. It's not going to work. That has all changed. For, for all of my folks on the West Coast, all of my friends, all my guide friends, and all the crazed fishermen that live there. And let me tell you what, there are a lot of crazed fishermen in Lee County. God bless them. Um, they're they're going to struggle. I know they are because this is radically, radically different. The guys that have been out there already on boats, not so much fishing, but moving product around for people, uh, getting fuel, generators, ice, and stuff like that to the workmen, getting workers out to the outer islands to begin restoration. Um They've, they've told me, they, you would not believe how different the channels are, um, which also remind, all the channel markers are mostly gone, so there's no way to find your way around. So even if you knew where, where the channel was, that channel's not necessarily there anymore. It's, it's either shifted or completely been filled in. And so that, for me, is what's happened here. Uh, moving to Key Largo a couple of months ago, almost three months now, um, it's really interesting because it causes me to really, really stop and reevaluate and think. I can't just blow into a place like I've done before and go, oh, the fish will be here, here, and here. That, that's not how it works when you move to a new area. And I haven't fished Key Largo that much. I spent a great deal of time fishing Isla Mirada, Florida Bay, all the way up to Flamingo. I can find my way around in there pretty easily, and I know pretty much where to look, even though I haven't done it in years. I still, that, that pattern stuff sticks with you. But what's happened in the uh, with me now is like this is a whole new game. So that's why I changed up the lures. That's why I thought, well, I'm going to get off this pearl white kick and I'm going to go over on a rusty red color. And it worked a little bit. 
that wasn't exactly what I expected. I thought, this is a really good idea, and it really wasn't. As it turns out, it was on an even par in most cases um, with the pearl white, but the pearl white works so much better in the bushes. And when, I, when I'm talking pearl, it's, it's a gulp. Um, they call it the swimming mullet. I've always laughed. The first time they brought this thing out and I bought a package of them, it looks like a tadpole. It does not look like a mullet. I don't even know whoever. Okay, Berkeley. <laughs> whoever named your lure, you should try again. Um, it, it does not resemble a mullet. It's small. It's about the size of a, of a full-grown bullfrog tadpole. It's got a, a kind of a bulbous front end with a couple of weird little eyeballs on top. Um, and then it's got a curly tail on the tail end of it. Uh, you know, it's it shaped in that C shape. You know how they do curly tails with a C? They're fantastic. They're wonderful. I used them a lot when they first came out in that dark reddish color for redfish on the West Coast. And, and they, they were, I was very successful with that, which is a tip, by the way. If you do go West Coast fishing, you might want to stick them on. Yeah, probably. Over here, different. And I'm sure it has something to do with water clarity. The water here is crystal clear, even in the backcountry water. It's just beautiful. Um, and I think that's got a lot to do with the fact that that's why it won't work like I think it should, the darker colors. And I did try it on the cloudy day, which is the old formula. Mm, nope, not so much. Um, I went back to the um, uh, the white, pure white, uh, gulps white, and it worked fine. I mean, I, I caught right away the, the bite was a lot different. So I have to say that it actually works a little bit better. Um, the... Biggest observation for me was the kudas were very, very active in front of the front, where I'm sure mangrove snapper probably were. The barracuda were like, they were on. Um, I caught three really nice ones, one very big one, um, which, by the way, is a lot of fun when it's right next to the kayak. You cannot believe the teeth in this daggone critter. Um, but they whacked the bejeebers out of white curly tail gulp. Uh, specifically, it's called the mullet. And um, it, it worked great. Uh, I went through a lot of them, I'll say that. Um, Barracuda have a nasty habit of tearing your bait to pieces if they don't completely rip it off. Um, I tried one hard bait. I made the mistake of putting a top water on and doing some uh, walking the dog. And this big cuda hit it and took everything. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be throwing 6 $7 lures at these things unless I put a piece of wire on. So that was kind of a big mistake. But it was an enjoyable day. Kind of bumpy. Winds came up later on. Winds came up like 11 o'clock in the morning. So I was like, okay, I know it's time to go. i got to get the heck out of here. So, but, uh, so anyway, that's kind of a, a rundown of uh, last Tuesday. All right. Now, I mentioned that I was, I was in the process of ordering a Bixby, B-I-X-P-Y. That's a little motor. Um, the Bixby is a, uh, just picture a miniature, not real small, but a miniature trolling motor, motor, not the, not the tube going up in the air, just, just the motor with the prop on it. The difference is it's a tunnel prop, so it's fully protected. Um, it's lightweight made in built inside of hardened plastic and the prop is built in a like a tube so it creates a like a vortex uh, more pressure comes like a jet engine more pressure comes out of the back end of it than just an open prop like trolling motors have um so i received it i installed it um i was going to go fishing on i guess it was thursday when i got it i thought i'll go test it out and the wind was blowing 14 miles an hour steady with gust of 20 and no i'm no even in a boat, that's not fun. But anyway, I was like, nah, I'll just wait. So I got through the whole weekend. 
And then finally, uh, things broke um, yesterday. It was windy on, yeah, it was windy Saturday. It finally broke, got nicer on Sunday yesterday, and today's Monday I got out there. What a great toy. That thing, no, it's a tool. Well, it's a toy too, but it's a tool. What a fabulous thing. I rigged it up um, for the Hobie um, Outback. Uh, what you do is you buy the Bixby uh, motor and battery. It's a, it's a kit. You get you get all the parts and pieces you need in the kit. And then you have to figure out how you're going to install it. So there is one more step to take. You have to get the accessory with it. Um, and in my case, I just got the the Hobie drop-in um, accessory. So let me explain. The Hobies, for those who aren't real familiar with them, the pedals that go in there, they, they drop in through a hole in the hull and they snap into place. You put your feet in the pedals and away you go. The pedals are not, it is not underwater. It's not a prop. It's a, they're fins and they swim like a, supposedly like a penguin or a seal. It's, they're pretty remarkable how they work underwater. Um, and, and they're, they're flexible. Uh, fantastic. I, I love the thing. What I was looking for is power, a reserve power, a way to go fishing with my pedals as much as I want. And then when I go home, I could go further. In other words, I could, I could pedal out into an area that I've never been, which is what I did today, and fish an area. And then when I'm ready to go home, I pop in the Bixby and off I go. So remove the pedals, put them, in, put them on the deck of the boat and uh, deck of the kayak and then drop in the, the motor. And the motor is very compact. The attachment for that... Uh, I think it was an extra 150 bucks or so to get the attachment for the Hobie on top of the cost of the motor and the battery. The battery went underneath the seat. It's very well thought out. I can't, I can't tell you how well the instructions are, are, how good the instructions are with this thing. It's, it's fantastic. Everything is explained very, very well. And there are two or three YouTube videos that were excellent during the install, giving you little tips on what to do. And these were made by Bixby. So, um, um, to back up, I met these fellows. I met uh, Jack Gates and Greg Brown. They were, I think, let's see, one of them was sales and the other guy was uh, marketing. Yeah, there was a marketing and a sales guy. And they were at the ICAST show up in Orlando. And I was going from booth to booth just getting ideas, not necessarily for me, ideas to talk about on my podcast. And um, I saw this thing and I went, Ooh. and they had, of course, they had it set up in a Hobie Outback. And I'm like, oh gosh, look at that. Pretty much exactly what I've been thinking about, but I did not want to mount a trolling motor on my kayak. Too complicated, personally for me, I think, too much trouble. You have to carry a great big old battery. Um, for those of you trolling motors, you know what I'm talking about, a nice big fat 12 volt. I mean, at the very least, you might be able to do a, a motorcycle battery, but that's not going to give you any juice for any time. So anyway, this thing is amazing and it works great. I used it for my trip home from where I was fishing. It took me a good 40 minutes. Um, the battery level never went down. So I don't I don't know what they did. But and I was using half speed. Now I wasn't going full tilt boogie, but I was, you know, using half speed on it. And it worked extremely well. I was very, very pleased with it. I liked it so much, I'm gonna buy the stern mount. Uh, long story short, on the Hobies, you already have preset on uh, newer Hobies from 20. 2019 could be 2020. I think it's 2020 on. You have a mount system on the very, very back of it that was designed to mount the power pole to uh, the portable power pole, which, by the way, is another great addition. It's a portable anchor. Um, and those holes are already there. So Bixby built a bracket system to mount the motor on on the stern and you can fix it with a kick up. 
In other words, it doesn't turn left or right. It's just a motor mount because on the Hobie, you already have a rudder. So you can steer with a rudder. You don't need to steer with a motor. You just need that for power. And several articles I've read since I've installed this is that a lot of a lot of fisher, po- fisher folks really love using both. They like having the power on the back when they want it, and they also like leaving the pedals in uh, for for everyday use. And that makes sense because instead of having to swap it out this way, the motor is mounted on the back while you fish. So if you have to kick it on for any reason, or you just feel like taking a break from the pedals, you can without removing the pedals out of the boat. So I thought that's pretty cool. So. I ordered that. <laughs> I ordered the bracket. So I hopefully we'll get that. I think it's due in here tomorrow or um, or Wednesday. And I'll file another report, let you know how that goes. Um, so the fishing today, the fishing was wonderful. First of all, what made it wonderful again was it was having motor. As a backup, I want, I want you to know that when I left the ramp, I t- the beach really, I turned it on and played with it and thought this is the coolest thing. I cannot believe it would go fast enough that I was leaving a wake behind the kayak. It was, I mean, we're talking, this thing will move. Um, so I, I undid it. I, I pulled it out, turned it off, and put my pedals in and pedaled off. Now, here's the cool thing. Testing it, making sure it worked first, because I'm that kind of boater. <laughs> I decided I'm going to venture into a place I haven't been before because I get extra distance now. Um, I fished with uh, a couple of guys from Marco uh, years ago. Mike, my buddy Mike and his friend, uh, Dave and and one of the things we like to do was fish Chakalaski, and so we would we would uh, oh gosh you have to pedal across Chakalaski Bay before the fishing got serious. That wasn't a problem. It was coming home. <laughs> coming home sucked. You'd have this great fishing day in Chakalaski, and you'd be hitting all these wonderful little islands and cuts. And I mean, and those two guys knew it backwards and forwards, so they took me along and pretty much introduced me to fishing in that area. And it was a ton of fun. But the ride home was terrible. You just you pedal and pedal, and by the time you get back to the launch area, you just you're exhausted. So that's where the motor comes in. Which, by the way, I'd highly recommend to them. They both have Outback, so if you guys are listening, yeah, you might want to you might want to check this little this little jewel out. So anyway, um, I went to this really cool place on the very very um, far far eastern side of Largo Sound that I had seen on a chart. It's full of little tiny islands and all kinds of great places, and it was fantastic. It was loaded with snapper. It was loaded with. Um, Oh, gosh. All, well, obviously, all kinds of barracuda. There were fish blowing up around me, jacks, things like that. Um, it was Not only that, it was a beautiful area. It was just like like the Keys are. I mean, you go into these remote areas all by yourself, and there's nobody around. And it's just, I don't know, it just, I, was, I didn't want to leave. I mean, it's, it's been a long time since I fished in a place where I just thought, I'm just going to stay here all day. Um, it was incredible. And I had a really, really great time. Got a, a, some keeper snapper. Um, a couple of big barracuda. Um, I hooked something huge. I don't know what it was. I was watching tarpon roll, so I, I would like to think that I had touched one, but I'm not really sure that's what it was. But it was big enough to uh, blast off and bust me off just within seconds, but I don't know what it was. So um, I'm still looking for snook back there. So I met another kayaker back there, and he told me, he says, man, there's snook back here. He said, they're hard to get in here. He said, you really need a lot of water. And I, I said, okay, he wasn't willing to give a whole lot of information. That's okay. I get it. But um, it was fun. I mean, I really, really had a good time. And again, I moved back to the um, the white um, gulp um, little mullets, and they just they just performed beautifully. So can't, I can't complain. Uh, and I'm going to go back there. As soon as I get the, um, the stern mount from Bixby, I'm going to mount that up, and I'm going to run back there again, and then I'll 
uh, seriously fish that thing. Really, really kind of pound it. All right, let's see. What else did I have on my list to talk about? Oh, oh, something else I discovered. State of Florida. Just so you know, if you put a motor of any kind on your kayak, you have to register the kayak as a vessel. Yeah, so I got 30 days to do that. Um, if you're underway on the pedals, it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. But if they stop you with the motor running, it does make a difference. So if it's a motorized craft in Florida, kayak, canoe, anything, you have to register it as a motorized craft. It's a little tricky because you don't really have um, a title. I don't. You don't have a title to a kayak. So you just take your sales receipt in. I, I did some research on that. But just so you know, if you add this stuff in the state of Florida, you are going to be required to get a vessel sticker for it. Not very expensive. It's not, it's not like doing it for a boat, but it, it does have to be done. So I was kind of surprised. Um, as most of you know, my wife and I are not only... Uh, butterfly enthusiasts. We're also bird enthusiasts. We, we love the, the state of Florida is just great for that kind of stuff. If you, if you're totally into the whole horticulture thing with the different plants and things that are required to attract butterflies to your house, the more power to you. We are very lucky. Our house is situated in a hardwood forest. Um, and I mean, literally in hard, in, in Florida hardwood, it's, we have, we have trees and things that we don't know what they are all around us. I mean, everything from like a mahogany type tree to it's incredible. And it draws an awful lot of wildlife. Um, the butterflies have been one thing, but what we were waiting on was birds. Uh, we are both big fans of the uh, painted bunting. And if you don't know what that is, please look it up. Once you look it up, you'll go, oh, well, no wonder they like those. They're small birds, uh, small sparrow size, I guess you'd call it. Most people know what a sparrow is or have, have them. Um, however, the male is like, he's painted. He's like five, six colors. They're, they're incredible. From bright reds, yellows, greens, blues, all on one little bird. And his female friend is mostly green, uh, kind of like a parrot green with a yellow underbelly. Just beautiful little birds. They travel in pairs, mate for life. Um, they spend uh, all summer long up north, and then they travel down here to Florida for the winter. Um, and it's not a breeding thing. They actually breed up north. They just travel down here to get away from the cold like a lot of snowbirds do. So um, they are really neat. The females show up. I found this out. I did not know this, but the females show up a couple of weeks before the males do. Uh, and so we had females a couple of weeks back and it was just night. We're like, Oh gosh, they're here. And then the males showed up and it's really something we, we, so far we have two males and three females. Um, if you're, you know, if you're in Florida and you live in a neighborhood or you have kind of a thicket near your house, if you back up to woods, for example, or if you have a, a large hedge system that you can put a feeder next to, there's a really good chance you'll draw them in, in the wintertime. And um, just it's just cool. You know, it's one of those cool things. We have a lot of other birds, of course, but that's really cool. And the fact that we live near hardwood, uh, that makes it cool, too. We also have a really weird animal <laughs> that shows up. Uh, we have the Key Largo wood rat. No, it's not as bad as it sounds. This is a smaller rat. It's uh, on the endangered species list. Um, it's fairly harmless. It eats uh, bugs and seeds. It's not like a dig in the garbage rat. Um, they're really, really incredible. And we found out that we live, where we live, is the last existing known place of these rats. Um, they, they are basically in North Key Largo only. That's it. Um, Dagny Johnson Park, which is right up the road from us, we visited that. I'm going to do a podcast about that in maybe a week or two and talk about that. It's beautiful. Um, that 
was going to be a huge subdivision. Uh, they were going to change that into a kind of a Mediterranean style, you know, going back to Venice sort of thing. It failed, uh, basically, basically from sales. Um, their whole idea was great. It just didn't work out. Um, but what, what happened was uh, Dagny Johnson, she's the gal, who discovered that there were wood rats there, and they're the Key Largo wood rat, which is quite rare and, and is an endangered species. So guess what? That stopped the building anyway, even though they weren't going to go forward with it because they'd run out of money. Um, but it's interesting. Um, so we have those in our backyard, and they, and they come to our feeders at night. Uh, my nighttime cameras I have out back were being set off by these things, and we started with one. Then we suddenly had six. A whole family. It was. It's and you know, if those of you that don't like rodents, you're probably not going to go. You're going to go. Yeesh. Um, they're bigger than a mouse and smaller than a rat. They're just kind of in between, like a gerbil, kind of a gerbil size. So we have to take the feeders in at night. We have to un unhang them and bring them into the house because they will. I mean, they will eat all the bird seed. It's incredible. So anyway, so we are now keepers of a <laughs> of a uh, nearly extinct wood rat. Now, let's see, last but not least, while I was at the Penny Camp launch Tuesday, so a week ago, um, there was a guy there, and he's an avid kayaker. He was from um, Colorado, up in the mountains of Colorado, and he had kayaked all across the country. He's done all kinds of kayaking, mountain kayaking streams, uh, national parks. It was really fun to talk to, and we had a nice conversation. One of those things, you know, where you open up the back of the Jeep, and you just sit down, and you just chat. And he was telling me about his adventures and where he'd gone and all this kind of stuff. And he asked me what I did. And I said, well, I don't really, I'm retired. I said, I, I write books and I do a podcast. And he goes, he says, good grief, man. Why don't you do a, a YouTube? And I'm a what? You know, a YouTube channel. I said, well, I have a channel. I said, but I, I stopped using it. I used to use it for my charters. I would do some, do a little filming and put it up there for people to watch, especially for my clientele, you know, shark fish and stuff like that. He says, no, 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 man, it, you can, you can monetize something like that. You just need to get, you know, get it going again. So all you got to do is put the bug in my ear. That's all you got to do. Um, I came home. I looked it up. My channel is obviously still there. I renamed it Catch Outdoors to kind of catch up. And then I went and reviewed my videos to make sure everything's legal. You have to be careful about copyright, especially on music. And everything had been, had been approved by the artist of the music that I'd used. So I, everything was good to go. It's old. If you want to go in and watch it, it's, a, it's kind of a lot of fun. Just go to YouTube and, and type either um, Catch Outdoors or Rob Modi's. It should pop up. Um, but it's got some really neat old stuff on there that I really didn't want to get rid of. So I'm going to leave it and I'm going to add to it. I'm going to go ahead and start doing some YouTube video. Um, I thought some short pieces, maybe eight, nine, ten minutes long each week. Uh, fishing, mostly fishing. Uh, locations, uh, perhaps some sightseeing, especially the parks. I, I love the state parks in this state and there's a lot to see and a lot to do in the other parks. And I, we'll just see how it goes. I just thought, you know, as if I didn't have enough to do. Well, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> My book is done. I have no plans to do book number four at this point. I, I just, I just don't. I, I, not that I'm written out. I don't. Is that the right word? I just, you know, it's just like it's, it's okay. Um, the third book is going to be good. I'm, I really enjoyed writing it. Um, I'm very, very happy with it, and I can't wait to get it out to you all to the public so you guys can see it. Uh, but. You know, uh, it, it's sitting around doing nothing is not my game. It never has been. Uh, so between the fishing, which I plan on stepping up a lot, uh, I think I'm going to add the YouTube to it just for the hell of it, along with the podcast. I'm not going to stop the podcast. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy talking on a microphone. So if you couldn't tell. So I'm going to fire that YouTube channel back up. 
And uh, I'll keep you posted. I'll let you know what, we're, what I'm going to do. When I get a new one out there, I'll talk about it on the podcast so you know to go look. And of course, you can subscribe. That's a big thing about this. The same thing with this podcast. If you haven't done it already, subscribe. Um, when you subscribe, that means you're going to get a, uh, a warning shot that it's coming out. And that's done by the distributor of the podcast, Waypoint. And the same thing with YouTube. If you subscribe, then you'll, you'll know. You'll get, a, you'll get a notice when the uh, latest podcast is available. Or, or sorry, the latest um, YouTube videos right uh, available. So anyway, a uh, ton of fun. Fishing was great this week. I plan on doing a lot more of it next week, uh, or this week coming up, I should say. And hopefully the weather is going to hold. I understand things are going to warm up here, and the winds are going to stay fairly calm, so it should be good. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend and leave a review. My podcast schedule for each and every Tuesday. Catch Outdoors is presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network. It's available on Waypoint and by many of your favorite podcast providers. Facebook page, Catch Outdoors. Website, waypointtv.com and catchoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy. Enjoy.